0: Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Worlds of Country Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. On today's episode, I'm joined by Matt Jordan to talk all about his musical journey, his stops along the way, some of the lessons he's learned, and so much more. hope you guys enjoy this chat. I really did talk to you guys on the other side. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. What have you been up to lately? Writing,
1: recording, playing shows. All the things man, all the good stuff, yeah how
0: about yourself? not that much um so was it music was it writing music that drew you into music initially or was it performing music? uh it was really kind of
1: writing uh I grew up in a family of musicians. my dad is a big lyric guy and he was uh he wrote songs when he was younger and still does a little bit today and you know from a young age he was always you know pointing out lyrics and stuff to me and Bruce Springsteen and tom Petty and eagle songs and stuff like that you know and so I was always kind of drawn to the writing of it first. Uh, I didn't really get into the performing of it until uh, many years after uh, writing a bunch of songs and then
0: realized I wanted to sing my own songs, you know. So when did you realize that this you can make a career out of this?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I moved to Nashville halfway through college to give it a go. Uh, and those years, uh, when I first got there, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Uh, it was kind of discouraging. It's a, it's a tough town sometimes. And I feel like just until, you know, the last two or three years, uh, I think that's when I really kind of figured out what I was doing and who I was as an artist and a writer and, um, started feeling like the ball was rolling a little bit,
0: you know? So what would you say were some of the bigger difficulties over those first few years out there?
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, Newtown, I didn't have a, I'd never been exposed to like the music industry when I moved to Nashville, you know, I had grown up in St. Louis and I started college in uh, Indianapolis, Uh, St. Louis and Indy are both great cities, but they don't have a music scene the way Nashville does, you know, Um, and so just kind of getting there and being immersed in it was kind of like culture shock, honestly, I'd never experienced anything like it and it's, you know, it's a network town. It's about who, you know, and connecting with people and stuff. And I don't think I realized the weight of that or or how important that was when I was living there. Um, and, uh, I just kind of felt like I was floundering for a couple of years, just trying to figure my way. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm back in St. Louis full time now, but I, I split my time between St. Louis and Nashville. And, uh, oddly enough, like the pandemic has been really good for me to kind of learn how to navigate it. Uh, I still get to town, you know, about once a month to write and meet with people and stuff, but being able to hop on zoom and and do interviews like this and and write with my co-writers that are in Nashville uh, has been a real game changer. And and I think that people kind of open their minds to uh,
0: working with somebody remote when the pandemic hit, you know, it's definitely been like this decentralization of, of everything.
1: Totally. Totally. I think, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, kind of related to this, and they were talking about that decentralization. And uh, I think that what the pandemic did was it really kind of forced innovation. Um, I think ultimately, you know, five or 10 years from now, we were going to be in a place where you didn't have to be in Nashville to do it. You could write with people on Zoom and the pandemic kind of forced it to happen earlier than it probably would have otherwise. Um, and in that, for that, I'm I'm grateful, you know, that that I'm able to write with people and stuff like that, even from St. Louis.
0: So as someone who grew up on a lot of rock music, what what drew you to Nashville specifically? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I
1: grew up on all the American rock classics like Springsteen and Petty and those guys, like I mentioned. I did grow up on, you know, George Strait and Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn, a lot of the 90s, 80s, you know, kind of country stuff. And I always liked that music, um, to be honest with you. uh there were two records that came out at the end of my high school time and early college, uh, the chief record by Eric church and the up all night record by Kip Moore. And those felt like what I wanted to do. You know, they were country records. Um, but they weren't like anything that was happening in country, you know? And I said, man, if that's country, I can, I can be country, you know? Uh, cause to me, those are, those records are both really influenced by Springsteen and Jackson Brown and those guys. And, I thought, well, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm writing. That's, that stuff's been the most inspirational and the most influential in my writing. And I felt like if that's what country is, I can get, get on board with that. You know,
0: Eric church is sort of like that one guy who has this ability to have his foot in so many different camps and nobody's like saying that he's not country. It's, it's crazy,
1: crazy, man. He's done, he's done such a cool thing and carving his own path and kind of doing things his own way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you listen to some of his songs, and there's country as anything out there, and you to other songs, and you think this could be a Rolling Stone song, you know, it's just rock and roll. And I love that,
0: I love that variety yeah. in this music, you know, yeah, because people don't want to hear the same thing over and over again, as much as radio might say that they do. People don't, I think
1: you're dead right. I think that's exactly yeah. it. I think that he's he's always he and Kit both have, I think, done a really good job of putting their fans first and saying, Hey, I'm gonna do what y'all wanna hear. Um, And it's been a variety and it's it's made for some i think those are two of the best country artists out there today because they they kind of do things their own way you know
0: so how would you describe your musical style
1: uh yeah i mean piggybacking on that i think it's a mix of uh kit moore eric church and bruce springsteen you know you can hear i think in my lyrics um in my voice probably a little bit you can hear some springsteen influence uh, sonically is probably closer to someone like Kip Moore. Uh, sometimes Eric church, you know, Kip and Eric church are both from, uh, the South and I'm from St. Louis. So I don't have a Southern accent when I sing. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think that, uh, sonically it's probably closest to Eric church, Kip Moore, Ruth Springsteen. I hear Bob Seger comparisons sometimes, you know, Chris Stapleton now and then, which is a high compliment that I don't quite hear, but I appreciate it.
0: So how did you sort of avoid the pressure to, copy whatever else is going on and really embrace your own unique style
1: yeah that's a good question because there's a lot of pressure especially when you move to town um you know you're a young guy i was 20, 20 when i moved to nashville and you know i was young and and there was definitely temptation to kind of chase what radio was doing at the time it was florida georgia line sam hunt was just breaking um and i think i, I saw a lot of people kind of try to follow in those guys footsteps and i i enjoy that music. Um, but it's not who I am. And I've always tried to stay true to who I am and um, you know, kind of say, Hey, if I have to go do something because it's what it what's that radio or is it it's what's working commercially. Um, and I don't love it, I don't believe in it, it's not what I write. I don't I don't want to do this, you know. And so um just fighting that temptation knowing what I wanted out of it and who I wanted to be. Uh, that was the biggest part of it. But I also had some really good mentors when I moved to Nashville who gave me some great advice about not chasing radio. Um you know, and staying true to yourself. And by that point, I'd written enough songs. I kind of knew who I was as a writer, at least. Um, and it was, you know, it was helpful to to kind of know where I wanted to go uh, in order to fight that temptation, you know?
0: Yeah. So um, how long were you out in Nashville before you decided to, to move back out to St. Louis? I was in Nashville about three and a half years. Um, and I got married
1: And we wanted to start a family and both of our families are from St. Louis. And we just decided that, uh, you know, family came before anything else. And uh, it was important to raise our kids near uh, our parents and our siblings. And so we ended up back in St. Louis about seven years ago, I guess
0: now. Well, I wanted to go back to your your last answer for a second about um, not chasing the radio. Just wanted to add that it's a lot easier to, you know, sell a product that you believe in as opposed to trying to sell something that you're not at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think I think it is, and you know the the reality is like the truth of this world is not only do you have to write the songs and record them and release them, but you also have to go play them live. Um, And that's the biggest litmus test for me. You know, when I write a song, I'm like, is this something I want to sing live every night? Am I going to get tired of this song because I don't believe in it and it's not me? You know, Um, or is this a song that I'm telling my story and and this is real and it hits me in the heart? That's a song I want to sing live every night. You know. yeah, I I think that's a really important thing is, is uh, it is easier to push and to sell and promote something that is truly you and something you really believe in, you know?
0: So is that like, you have like the live show in mind while you're writing a song or is that something you envision later on? Sometimes it's the case. You know, there are some songs that I'll just
1: get hit with an idea or I'll be messing around on my guitar or piano and come up with something that's, you know, maybe more mid-tempo or even, uh, kind of a slow ballad. And, it still needs to be written, you know, so I'm not seeing the live show. I'm not thinking about the live show in that case. But there are some times where I intentionally set out to write a song, um, knowing that I need, you know, something upbeat and fun for for the live show. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's in the back of my mind all the time, but it's not always um, the primary goal when I set out to write a song, you know.
0: So are you someone who, when you write a song, are you someone who knows right away that this is one I want to cut? Or are you someone who sort of lets the songs marinate a little and then chooses from them? Uh,
1: both. Um, you know, there's more often than not, I let the songs sit for a bit and live with them and kind of listen back to them and say, you know, and, and the reality is like, for me, I'll write a song and I'll sleep on it and I'll come back and listen the next day. And if I don't love it the next day, I know that it's not great, you know, and it's it's probably not worth chasing that one or cutting that one. Um, if I still love it the next day, I'll listen again for about a week and and decide, yeah, this is, this is still feeling right. This is still feeling good, you know? And once in a while you'll write a song that you get done with it and you know, immediately that, Hey, we got to do something with this, you know, that, that happened, um, A couple months ago, uh, I was writing with my buddy, Jarrett Hartness, and we finished the song and it was, it was a no brainer that it was going to get cut. You know, we both just fell in love with it right away and, and knew it was solid and knew it was something different and unique and, um, sent it straight to my producer and we got working on it.
0: So also, uh, to piggyback off that a little bit, are you, do you feel like the best songs that you've written are ones that flow right out of you or are they more of a tortured process for you or both ways?
1: uh for me more more often than not the songs that fall right out are the best songs uh unfortunately that doesn't happen a lot Uh, (laughs) i have have written some what i believe are good songs and songs that i really love and believe in that have taken a while to write you know um but once in a while lightning strikes and you you write a song in 15 or 20 minutes and most of the time when that happens in my experience that ends up being a pretty pretty good song you know
0: It must feel more natural also than like fighting for lines. Well, it just kind of feels like, yeah, it's
1: more natural and it feels like the song was meant to happen, you know, like if it comes that yeah. quick, it feels like you were supposed to do it, you know, and, and when you feel that way, it's like, yeah, I think there's something <laughs> here, you know, yeah. it's almost like you were a vessel to, to let the song into the world. It, it is. It, it, it does yeah. feel that way sometimes, you know, it's like those, they say like the songs write themselves and that's mm-hmm. not true a lot of the time, but when it is true, it's a, uh, it, it feels pretty special. It's a good feeling.
0: So, um, what would you say have been some of the bigger lessons that you've learned since you decided to pursue music? Oh uh, man, uh, I think the biggest
1: for me is, um, developing thick skin is critically important. Um, in this world, you're going to come up against a lot more, uh, doubters and believers, and you're going to face a lot more nos than yeses, um, and it's really easy to get in your own head and think I'm not cut out for this or people don't dig it or whatever. And, um, you know, you really got to push through that. And, and that took a little bit of time. I, I, I'm pretty good about that now. Like if somebody, you know, doubts or, or hates on me or whatever, it kind of rolls right off my shoulders at this point. But that took some time and um, getting confident in who I was and what I was doing to get there, you know. Uh, that's, that's probably my biggest, the biggest lesson I've learned. And it's, it's paid dividends to be able to push through the negativity or the doubt, you know?
0: Yeah. And also the, the ratio of no's versus yeses in this industry is crazy. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. a lot more no's than yes's. And, yeses. and yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta roll with that. Cause that's just the reality. It doesn't mean you're not good. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that that person doesn't, doesn't see the vision that you might. And um, I think an important part of that and in, in really putting that into practice is celebrating the yeses and celebrating the wins. Um, so when you run into a hard season or another, no, or, uh, you know, another loss, uh, you remember the the good things that you've accomplished and, and the headway you've made, you know, yeah, it's crazy how much of this is really just about mindset. <laughs> it is, it, it's a no. mental thing, man. Cause it, 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 it's a drag sometimes and it, it gets real discouraging at times. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be mentally strong. And, and, and I think the key is believing in what you're doing. You know, like I've always believed in what I was doing and, um, that really truly believing in it and not feeling like I was, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, not feeling like I was chasing something that I was supposed to be, or someone wanted me to be really believing in in what I was doing and having a vision for where I thought it could go. Uh, I think that's really been helpful
0: to kind of push through the nose and say, that's all right. They just don't get it yet. You know? Yeah. So while you were developing the the thick skin. Was there a point where you thought of maybe throwing in a towel and going back home and doing something else? Yeah, a
1: couple of years ago I had that moment. It was actually, it was right after I moved back to St. Louis. Uh we'd been in St. Louis for like six or twelve months, I guess. And uh my wife gave birth to our, our first baby, a uh, little baby girl, and my band had uh quit me to go play with somebody else in town, which I didn't get. Um, and I had this new baby, I was working in business full time. And I just thought, I don't know how I could possibly do this anymore, you know, and nothing was really taken off for music. I'd been doing it for a little while and I hadn't seen any fruit, uh, from my labor. And, um, it felt like it was natural to hang it up then. And fortunately, my wife is, uh, very supportive and very encouraging and, she kind of, you know, had to come to Jesus talk with me and said, Hey, this is what you're meant to do. You got to keep going, you know? Uh, And I haven't really looked back since, but I, I had that moment.
0: I've probably had a couple more um, before that as well. Every so often we need that little push to to keep us going.
1: Yeah, man, you do. And it's, you know, I, I I talk a lot about dreaming partners. Um, That's a phrase that I stole from a Bruce Springsteen book. Um, But it's really important to have good dreaming partners on your team and in your corner, encouraging you and pushing you along. Uh, my wife's the best of them, but my co-writers are, the, are those people too. My band is that, you know, that group as well. And um, it's really important to surround yourself with people who believe in what you're doing because there are going to be times when you say, I'm done, you know, you need somebody to say, no, no, keep going, you know, keep pushing.
0: So how how difficult was it for you to sort of embrace the social media sides of this whole thing and now with the, the amount of power that something like TikTok has? Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't quite embraced TikTok yet. I need to get on that. That was the other lesson I've learned. That I was gonna say is uh you need to be able to adapt. I have not been able to adapt. I uh am very reluctant to get on TikTok, though I know I need to. Uh but you know, for real though, I've been doing this for eight or nine years and a lot of things have changed since I started. You know, when I first put out my first songs years ago, um, iTunes was still the primary uh form of consumption for music and Spotify was just kind of coming up and so I've seen Spotify really kind of take over. Instagram was just kind of coming up when I was starting out too. And now it's huge. And now TikTok as well. And, um, you know, it's it's a hard balance because they're really, really powerful platforms. And I know that. Uh, and for that reason, I need I know that I need to have a presence there and to be active. And, and it's a great, great way to engage fans. You know, it's it gives us a reach to our followers and our fans that we've never had before. Um, and so for that, I appreciate it. The the hard balance to strike is, I didn't sign up to be a content creator. You know, I signed up to be a musician, and there's this pressure um, that I feel. Nobody's putting this on me. It's just the way the industry is, and, and a pressure that I feel um, to you know be constantly creating stuff for TikTok. Especially, it requires a lot of content, um, and content that doesn't. It takes a little bit to create it. You know, like to do a decent video and all that stuff. It takes some time, and the balance is all right, I know I need to do this, but I also don't want to um, take my foot off the gas on writing or getting new music out or booking shows or whatever. When you're independent like I am, um, you kind of have to wear all those hats. And so uh, it's hard to to decide how much time to devote to something like TikTok or Instagram versus the other things, the meat and potatoes of making music, yeah. you know, writing it and,
0: and getting it out, you know. Yeah, it's basically you have to decide whether or not you want to put another hat on. Exactly,
1: yeah. and I, I'm willing to like you know pop another hat on for a minute, but if it turns into the hat that I'm wearing full time, <laughs> no,
0: I, I no, don't know. Do you know, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely been a mu- in the industry at least this blurring of the lines of what the primary job of of a musician is, because yeah. a lot of the stories that I've heard that basically they want them making TikToks for hours a day. It sounds nuts to me.
1: Yeah, and that's that's my biggest fear is it's like I'll I'll throw up a TikTok video now and then. Um and I actually before we started here, I was working on, you know, some TikTok videos because I, I know I need to be more active, but uh it goes back to the integrity of it, you know, to me. Again, I didn't sign up to be a content creator, I signed up to be a musician and an artist. Um and there's beauty and there's a way to do TikTok artistically and keep the integrity of your music. There's also, in my opinion, a lot of um nonsense on TikTok. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. You know, like I don't, I'm not going to do a bunch of weird dances and stuff just for the sake of going viral. Like That's not who I am and I'm not going to portray myself or present myself as somebody who I'm not, you know.
0: So you mentioned before about the industry and evolving since you've gotten into it. Do you feel that your music has evolved as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely has. Um, I think that Uh, it kind of goes back to like knowing who I am, you know, as a writer and as an artist. And when I first moved to Nashville, my goal was really to be a writer for other people, you know, to, to write and have other people cut my songs. And so I had kind of an idea of like who I would be as an artist if I pursued that. But, um, I wasn't really pursuing it when I moved to Nashville. And so I was writing what was hitting at radio or at least trying to, I never really got very good at that. Um but I was trying to write, you know, it was kind of the bro country era when I moved to Nashville and so I was kind of trying to write that stuff. Um and it's evolved to a point like like I said um where I realized that like hey, even if that stuff's hitting, it's not me. Um and so I think I've found my voice now and I think that the music that I've written over the last 2 or 3 or 4 years um is really representative and true to who I am. Um so yeah, the writing's definitely evolved as my goals have changed and as um, just as
0: I've grown and and kind of learned more about myself and what I want out of this, you know? So of the songs that you've released, are there one or two that stick out as personal favorites and basically the songs that you had that this is who I am moment when you wrote them?
1: Yeah, uh, I got a song called Runaway Heart out on Spotify and everywhere else. And uh, it's a really personal song. Um, It's not commercial at all. Like, that song would have never gone to radio or anything. Um, But it was a song. It was one of those songs that kind of needed to be written. Uh, It was almost like a song to myself. Like, I was almost singing to myself in that song. Um, So it was super personal. And uh, it's really representative of who I am. Like, if you want to get to know who I am, listen to that song, and, and you'll get kind of an idea. Uh, and then I got a song called 5th of July um, that's out. That is, um, it's a special song to me because uh, it's about an old friend of mine um, who I've lost touch with. And uh, she was really uh, a good and sweet friend in high school. And I wrote that song with my brother and one of my best friends in Nashville. Um, and so that one's pretty special to me. Um, those are probably two of my, maybe my two favorite songs I've, I've released up to this point.
0: So I also want to just ask you about the the newest single, Heart of the Heartland, if you could
1: tell us the story behind that one. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in St. Louis. Uh, my co-writer on that one, Jordan Brooker, grew up in northern Indiana. And uh, there's a highway called Highway 70 that comes down through Ohio into Indiana, through Illinois, through Missouri. And then after St. Louis, it shoots straight west out to Denver. Um, and it really runs through all the states that I would consider to be you know, part of the heartland or most of them. Uh, You know, the Heartland is kind of the Midwest, middle America in my mind. Um, And so I had this idea, just this vision of getting on Highway 70 in St. Louis and just driving straight west out to Denver, uh, just running into the mountains. It's something I've always wanted to do and haven't done yet. So I had that idea of Heart of the Heartland, and I took it to Jordan Brooker. um, And he got into the idea, and he kind of started playing uh, that little riff thing and humming a little melody over it. And he could relate to it. Uh, I think we were both able to channel um our teenage selves of growing up in a small town in the heartland um you know with a desire to to have a new adventure and to to go somewhere new and see something see a place we've never seen um so we were able to kind of uh channel that that restlessness and that angst of being a teenager and put it in that song but that's how that one kind of came about so um
0: what's next for you?
1: a lot of new music this year um. I've not officially announced it yet, but I do have a single coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then after that one hits, it's going to be nonstop for the rest of the year. It's going to be a lot of new music coming. Um, hopefully a lot more shows. We've gotten to play a lot more this year already than we did the last two years. Uh feels like that world's starting to go back to normal a little bit, which is really nice. Um, so hopefully booking a lot more shows, uh, but right now focused on getting this new music out. Uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun year.
0: Well, thank you so much again for for taking the time for this. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Of course. Have a great day. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you guys so, so, so much again for tuning in. Hope you liked what you heard. If you liked what you heard from Matt, be sure to go check him out on all social media platforms and check out his music wherever you listen to music. If you liked what you heard from the podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Wherever you're listening, we really, really, really appreciate that. It really means the world. Thank you guys so, so much again. Talk to you guys next time.